Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Joe McCall here. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hope you guys are doing awesome. I'm excited about today's episode. I got a cool interview with a friend of mine that I've met before at a conference, an internet marketing conference. His name is Ryan Enk. And uh, we're going to be talking about lease option deals. He's done some lease option deals and we're going to be interviewing him, talking about how he did them and all of that good, awesome, juicy stuff. First thing I want to tell you real quick though, this podcast is brought to you by my book, Wholesaling Lease Options. I bet you hadn't uh, heard me talk about this before, right? If you didn't know, uh, if you've been listening to me forever, I keep on talking about this book. I've been, getting, I've been getting great feedback on it. It's called Wholesaling Lease Options. It's not a big book. It's actually pretty thin. All killer, no filler, and you can get through it in a couple, three hours, but it teaches you how to flip lease option deals. And this is a strategy that I used to quit my job back in 2009, 10 years ago. So I've been doing this podcast now for eight years. I love doing this podcast, teaching you stuff, bringing on real cool people to interview, and uh, you need to get this book. It's free. You can get it right now at wlobook.com, wlobook.com. It's absolutely free. Just pay a few dollars shipping and handling, and it's going to be coming out to you soon. I got to tell you something else real quick. I'm coming out with a new book. This one is 95, 97 pages. Get this. This new book I'm coming out with is 350 pages. Uh, so, I just went from one extreme to the other. But what it is, the reason why it's so long is because I've taken a lot of my podcasts that I call REI in your car podcasts. They're like short little 15-minute clips. And I've got them transcribed and turned into articles and chapters of my next book. And so my next book is going to be called REI Secrets. It's coming out real soon. And in fact, if you're listening to this, if the website is up, it's going to be reisecrets.com. But on that book, I kind of give you different chapters that you can read like every day uh, as a uh, kind of like a devotional book, but it's not that devotional. It's just like you can get it and read a little chapter every day and get a little bit of inspiration and uh, some cool things like that. So that's coming real soon. Check that out. But for now, get my wholesaling lease options book, wlobook.com. And uh, I'm going to be bringing on our guest here. His name is Ryan. Ryan Enk. Are you there? I'm here, Joe. And thank you so much for two reasons for having me on the show. And number two, for introducing me to the phrase "all killer, no filler," I'm gonna. That's gonna be entering my vocabulary a lot. In the I, that's awesome. I wish I could say I invented it, <laughs> but uh, I didn't. I, in fact, I learned it from a guy named um, Taki Moore. Does that name ring a bell? No. <laughs> Taki, a, 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 a bloke down in Australia. I think they call them blokes. That's in a, yeah. that's a good term. I think if yeah. it's a if it's a bad term, I apologize to all my Australian friends. No, I think it's good. <laughs> all right, so. I wanted to get Ryan on the show and talk to him about um, kind of what he's doing in real estate, have him introduce himself to you guys. And uh, I want to talk specifically about lease options. Ryan has done some lease option deals and I want to talk to him some about that. We had a conversation the other day. We met at a uh, conference called Funnel Hacking Live and that was two years ago, Ryan. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. In Orlando. Yeah. I remember I was on, I had a, what do they call it? They call it a table of experts or something. Yeah, for some reason I was at one of them, 
And uh, I was just talking about, you know, how I do podcasting and stuff like that. And Ryan was at the table and we talked and I had a good conversation. So Ryan, how are you? Where are you from? Doing good. Uh, I'm kind of from all over the place, but I married a girl from New Orleans, Louisiana. So marry a girl from here. You got to live here. So that's, that's where I am. Nice. Are you in, how close are you to New Orleans, the city center? So I'm a little ways out. So if you're familiar with New Orleans, there's Lake Pontchartrain. It's the biggest, you know, bridge over water in the world. I think the Chinese have a competing bridge, but so we're on the North shore of New Orleans. Okay, cool. Very cool. And, um, the, the other thing I want to ask you was, how did you get started in real estate? And while you're talking, I'm actually going to change my headset here. So how did you get started in real estate? I am listening. <laughs> no worries. Um, so yeah, I got, I got started in real estate out of just like having a lot of pain. Personally, uh, I, I have five boys now. And uh, at the time I had three kids and uh, I was a teacher and uh, living in New Orleans at the time, Hurricane Katrina hit, and that kind of rocked our, uh, our world and everything that I thought was, uh, you know, the security that we, we might have had. Uh, so the school that I was teaching at was like six feet underwater, and we kept on having these kids. So I was like, you know what, I need to do something besides teaching, and on top of that, it's not very secure. Uh, finally got a job, uh, which is a job that I absolutely hated selling copiers. It was good experience, business experience, but it was just miserable. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Office Space where they take the copier out back and beat it with a baseball bat. Is that you? But but that well that's how people felt about me, you know, as I came in the door, you know, to sell them this, you know, this machine that makes them angry on a daily basis. So I had just gotten finished getting chewed out by this Catholic monk for a copier that I sold them. And it was one of those things where it wasn't my fault, but it was my problem. I was the pinpoint for the customer. Yeah. And, um, and I was just waking up daily with anxiety, really not providing for my family. And I thought to myself, I had this critical moment, I prayed and this question popped in my head. Well, what would you do if money didn't matter? Cause money mattered to me a lot. I felt like I needed to make sacrifices in order to provide for my family. And um, I thought, well, I'd open up an indoor sports arena or, you know, I'd play music or something like that, you know, maybe serve my church a little more. And uh, I called my wife. We had never had this conversation before ever. And I said, hey, what could you see me doing if, say, we just had millions in our bank account? And she said, I don't know, maybe, you know, opening up an indoor sports arena or playing music. Or something like that. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I took that as a sign from God. And I was like, you know, and I also told my wife, I was like, you know, remember, this was your idea. <laughs> so I started pursuing it. But when I was looking at different vehicles to use, I knew that I needed to generate income fast. And I knew that I needed to generate somewhat of passive income. Because passive income is, you know, that's the money that you make while you sleep that allows you to do the things that you would do if money didn't matter. There's a lot of ways to do that out there. But real estate, you know, there's, there's more millionaires created through real estate than any other industry. And so I knew that real estate is what I needed to pursue. And I did. And, uh, you know, we can get into the strategy of the lease options in a second. But the long story short is within 12 months, I made enough with real estate and created enough passive income to quit my job. And three years later, I opened up the indoor sports arena. So how long ago was that? Uh, that was back in 08. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, right during the uh, crash actually. <laughs> that yeah. I yeah. Is that still around? Are you still doing that? 
The arena? Yeah. Yeah. I actually opened up another one uh, on the South shore of New Orleans and I sold that one. Um, I sold the majority of my interest in the one on the North shore, but I still own 30%. And uh, yeah, it's still around. It's okay. I, uh, I just got injured playing there uh, two nights ago. So it's still, still alive and kicking. So I can't say congratulations, but yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> still active in it. That's cool. Yeah. So um, what, how'd you get the real estate bug? Yeah. So, you know, like most people that I hear interviewed on every real estate show ever, you know, I read Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And um, I've always been interested moving around a lot as a, as a kid in, in real estate. So I just decided, you know, I, I was kind of an action taker, still am. And I was just like, let me just start swinging and missing at every strategy. So I kind of actually fell into lease options on accident, just getting out there and, and doing it. Okay. You read Rich Dad Poor Dad. What's some other education that you got after that? Oh man, I you know I I started reading all kinds of books. You know, so from Think and Grow Rich to Rich Dad Poor Dad to Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. You know, like I just any any financial book that I could get my hands on, I read. Uh, what I found was a lot of that stuff was more dealing with the problem in between the years which is a lot of what I had. So a lot of it motivated me to get out there and do stuff. But um, other than that, I, I did have a real estate license. I did get my agent's license. So I thought, you know, hey, why don't I just, you know, try to jump into real estate one way or another. And that was the easiest thing for me at the time is to start with the agent's license. Okay, cool. And who do you hang your license with, if you don't mind me asking? So I don't do that anymore. Okay. You know, when I started the arena, I couldn't keep up with the continuing education. And uh, now I've just transitioned into just straight, straight up investor. Okay. All right. And uh, are you investing in New Orleans area in your backyard there? Mostly. So, you know, I, I right now my strategy is mostly with larger apartments. And uh, but I do still invest in single family here in my backyard and, you know, kind of the greater New Orleans area. Okay, cool. What are some of your favorite strategies? So my, by far my favorite when I first started was um, I kind of fell into it by accident is I just wanted to get out there and be creative. And so I found this fourplex where um, I took out a second mortgage and used that as a down payment and got the guy to owner finance the rest. So he only required 10,000 as a down pay or I'm sorry, 10% as a down payment and uh, he owner financed the rest. And while I went through this, I did a couple deals after that where I was just buying them and renting them out to people. And I don't know why it took so long for the light bulb to click in, in my head, but I was like, wait a minute, this guy's got a pretty sweet situation with me where I paid him 10% down. I think it was like 34000 or 40000 I'm in charge of all of the, the maintenance and the upkeep and the plumbing and the tenants and the property management. And uh, if anything breaks, I got to fix it. If the roof breaks, I got to fix it. And the guy's got to pay me every month or he just kicks me out of the deal and, and gets to keep my down payment. So I was like, that's a pretty sweet deal. Why don't I start doing that? Yeah. <laughs> my own. And so, so it's kind of like being the bank instead of being the landlord, right? Exactly. I mean, that's that that uh, was a game changer for me. And so to give you one specific deal that I did. I went into the foreclosure sales because I was like, if I'm going to get, you know, play with the big dogs, get some really good deals, I'm going to go to the foreclosure sales. And I didn't have any money at the time. So what I did was I used a bunch of micro lines of credit, got them together, and I bought them from the foreclosure 
in quote unquote cash, but because those credit cards aren't secured against houses, they're not secure. There's just, you know, personal lines of credit. What I would do is I found a bank that said, Hey, if you own this outright, we'll give you 75% of the appraised value for it. So my goal just became, let me buy stuff at 75% of the appraised value, less the cost of renovations. And then I could just pull the money back out uh, when I'm done and, and, you know, recycle that process. So I did that. So I bought at the foreclosure. What year was this time frame? Uh, this was back in 2014, 2015. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe even earlier than that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember the exact dates, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just started doing that. One particular house just became a cash cow. I bought it at 134,000 from the foreclosure sale, put about 30,000 into it. So 164,000 all in it was, it appraised for around 240,000. So I actually, in pulling out the money from the bank, I want to say it was like around 180, something like that. So I actually made about 20 grand just on, on the refinance that I could use to invest. Nice. And then I went and there was this contractor who was like, look, you know, I'm overextended with the banks. So um, I'll give you twenty thousand dollars down, and you know the lease payments. He was buying it for this girl. I don't know what the situation was. It was this weird situation, but uh, a weird uh, relationship. But it wasn't my business, and I was like, "Hey, if this guy's going to give me twenty thousand, let's do it." So he did that. A year later, they get in a fight, and he said, "All right, I, I can't keep this house anymore. She's not paying. I'm tired of her. I'm done with the house. What do I do?" I said, "Well, look, you'll." you'll lose your down payment. I want you to do that. Uh, why don't you put the house on the market? So he fixed it up, cleaned it up, put it back on the market. You think about a traditional renter, wow. they might leave it damaged. You know, they might leave it in disarray. Now, did you do a lease option with him? I did a lease option with him. Okay. Yeah. Was this like one of the first times you did a lease option? This was the second time I did it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so he got the property fixed up and relisted kind of for you to find a new tenant buyer. He did. Uh, well, he was he was just trying to sell it outright. He was just okay, trying to sell it. Okay. And um, after a month, it didn't sell. He priced it at like two sixty. He had it way overpriced. He was just like, look, I just don't want you to hurt my credit. I just need to give this house back to you because I can't afford to pay this note every single month. Yeah. And so I said, okay. And I walked in the house and it was in pristine condition and all fixed up and nice. Put it back on the market. This time I got $30,000 as a down payment. Did you do it as a lease option? As a lease option, okay, thirty thousand is a down payment, and uh, I actually got three hundred dollars more in rent because the market went up a little bit, and um, and after a year they got divorced, and it was the same situation where I said, look, you know, I don't want you to lose your option payment. You got to keep on paying me though. Why don't you put it on the market? And his words to me was, I don't care. Uh, I've already lost so much with you know, in our relationship and he was done with his wife, he was done. He just wanted to, they both wanted to separate and cut all ties together and they gave the house back to me. And so the third person was $40,000 down in an option payment and they ended up closing on it. All right. So you got, went from 20 to 30 to $40,000 Yeah. on these, on three times that you did a lease option. Yeah. Uh, this was a house that you owned with the bank, right? Yeah. Um, is it, was this in Louisiana? Yes. I mean, how did you get such large option deposits? You know, I uh, I don't always get those large option deposits, you know, but I always advertise them. 
with a um, a 7.5 percent option payment, a 10 percent, and then a 15 percent option uh, payment. Okay. So I, I give them three options when I advertise it, and the credits match like the amount of credits I give them per month. How do you structure the different options then again? I missed that. So it's, it's typically five, five to 7.5% is option one and the rent's going to be a little higher and the rent cl- credits are going to be a little lower. Uh, and so then, you, uh, interesting. Yeah. So you advertise three different option deposits mm-hmm. and with each higher one, the rent goes down. That's right. I have never heard of that before. Yeah. It, well, and, and that's how I get higher option uh, payments because I think people look at the difference and the benefits and putting the, the higher amount up. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that they, they just don't get bank financing. Uh, maybe they're new. They just got a new employer or they're a contractor or, you know, whatever else. They got plenty of cash. They just can't get the bank financing. So, that is crazy. All right. So just so I'm clear, I want everybody listening to pay, to pay attention. This is brilliant. I hope you guys understood this. What Brian is doing, it's really, really simple. He's just saying, listen, I'm going to give you choices. Here you go. And let, let's run through an example. Okay. This was, let's say it's a $200,000 house. Okay. Um, what would you try to get? What are the three different skills? And let's say it rents for $1,700 a month. Okay. okay. What are the different scales that you would set that up as? So, you know, I really look at rental ranges. So if you, if it rents for 1700 a month, you know, a lot of times it could be a 1600 to 1800 swing. Sometimes it's even a 1500 to $1,900 swing. There's a lot of swing in, in, in a lot of these rental rates. Yeah. It depends on your market and your area, of course. Um, but on a $200,000 house, I typically say, all right, Option A, you can give me 5% down, that's $10,000. Um, and then your rent credits are going to be, or, or the, the rental rate's going to be $1,800. You know, it's going to be a little higher per month. And your rent credits are going to be maybe $150 a month. And then as I go into the next option, option B is uh, you give me 10% down, and that's $20,000. Now, your rent is going to be $1,600 per month, and your rent credits are going to be $250. And you just kind of escalate it like that. The more money they get put down, the lower the rent is, the higher the rent credits. Does the option price stay the same in all three or two or three options? No, no, no. Uh, so the option, pr- you mean the purchase price? Yeah, the purchase price. The price stays the same, yeah. Why haven't I ever thought of that, Ryan? I'm surprised you haven't, actually. <laughs> I've never, that's never crossed my mind. In all the deals I've done, I've never thought about structuring it that way. Good for you. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. So, um, wow. All right. So then you get, uh, you get different people and, and it's, it's, it's really kind of like, um, obviously the more money you get up front, the better, the more you're protected, yeah. the more likely the tenant buyers to actually buy the house, take better care of it. Yeah. And that's what you want them to do. I mean, you're, and you're setting the, the option price, the price of the home, you're setting it at pretty close to today's fair market value, right? You're not trying to really inflate it and charge way too much. Is no. that right? Yeah, I'm not I'm not inflating anything really. No. Wow. That's cool. So do you do that on all your release option deals? Pretty much. Yeah. I put all put all those three on. Now I do do like a standard lease price and I do over inflate the lease price typically, just because I'm trying to put that price up there for them to see. Look, if I were just to straight lease this, 
it's going to cost a lot more and I could essentially have the benefits of ownership without paying that high monthly note. So, um, so I do kind of discourage people with that pricing with the, with yeah. the single lease. Yeah. Nice. Okay. What are you finding to some of the best ways to advertise these lease option houses when you're looking for tenant buyers? So actually there is only one source that we've ever really been successful with and that's Craigslist. Okay. But we put every time we do it, we put it on Facebook, we put it on Zillow, we put it, you know, we put it across all the markets and sometimes we even list it with a, with a realtor, but um, Craigslist has just been the easiest, easiest for us. Nice. So talk a little bit about the advantages, you know, if you buy and most of these deals that you're doing, Ryan, you're, you're buying the house, right? You're getting, you're getting it cheap enough. You put a little work into it, you fix it up. Right. And then you cash out refinance. So you take your money out basically. And, uh, but you, you now have a mortgage on the house. So you have some kind of mortgage payment, yeah. right? Um, what's your typical cash flow then after the mortgage payment that you get on them? In my market, we were, we were cash flowing between 300 and a thousand dollars per house. Okay. And then talk about why the advantages of doing a lease option instead of just renting it out um, or doing owner finance. Yeah. I mean, well, there's, there's a, a ton of advantages. You know, the, the first advantage is, you know, I, I say that real estate breaks down into quick nickel and slow dime. Yeah. You know, you've got your quick nickel strategies like wholesaling. You've got your slow dime like buy and hold. The lease options combine both of them because I'm making that quick 10 to 30. I've even got $60,000 down once. Um, so you're making that quick cash like you would flipping the house. I can't believe this. I'm so mad at myself. That's phenomenal getting that large of option deposits. Okay, so back to my question, though. Uh, what's the advantage? Why do you lease option instead of just renting it out? And you're saying you get larger down payments. What else? Yeah, you get you get both the quick nickel and slow dime. You know, all the reasons you do real estate. You want those big chunks and you want that passive income. So you're getting both of those in that scenario. Um, the other reason is because you don't have to hire a property manager and pay them 10% to manage the property to be a buffer between you and the tenant. You're getting someone not with the renter's mentality, but someone with an owner's mentality. They're not calling you for the plumbing. They're not calling you, you know, if the roof has a leak. They're fixing it on their own. It's in the contract that they need to do so. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's another reason that people do real estate. They want passive income, and that strategy makes it more passive. Nice. And you're still only doing this with nicer homes, right? Do you structure these kinds of deals on the lower end homes? Yeah, you know, the, the most expensive home I've done this with is uh, 300000 but most of the deals are, you know, probably in the range of one fifty to two fifty. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I know where you are. You've got those areas that have the fifty, seventy five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 homes. In your experience, are those good homes to do lease options on? Uh, not really. Good. Good <laughs> answer. Not, not really. I, I mean, didn't prep you in advance. That was a trick question. Right. No, I mean, look, you, you, you have some areas like we have an area here, uh, you know, we, we call it Tammany Hills. It's, you know, the houses are between 120 and 150 and I've done lease options in those areas. I've never been able to get any more than $8,000 uh, as a option payment. And most times I'm settling for 3000 to $5,000 as an option payment in those areas. How much more or less likely are they to eventually buy the house on the lower end properties? Um, I've, I've had two that defaulted and I've had four that I bought it. So oh, that's not bad. Still. Yeah. 
Do you find though, generally speaking on the nicer homes, you give higher, better success rates with them getting financing? Yeah, I do find that because they, you know, they typically have more money to work. I mean, we qualify them just like anybody else. We look at their income and their, their debt to income ratio and they, they have higher incomes and they, they typically have W2 jobs or um, I'm sorry, not W2 jobs. They have good jobs uh, that just takes them a little more time to qualify for financing. Where is the threshold of when you accept somebody or not based on their credit and their debt to income and all that? Just general terms. So credit is never an issue if they're paying me 10% or more in a down payment. But I'm very, very upfront with them. And I let, I let all of them know. In fact, in my agreements, I don't have a late payment. And I say, look, you're giving me 10% down on this. What, what, say it's $20,000. You will lose this if you're one day late paying me. So, you know, on the front end, this is a sweet deal for you because no one's giving you financing right now. I'm finding, I'm becoming the bank to you and you're essentially growing in wealth. You're growing in, uh, you know, in equity instead of throwing your money away on rent. And you essentially, you know, this, this house could escalate in value and it could escalate in value by four to $50,000 and you have the benefit of that. Um, but at the same time, because of the credit situation, I cannot be lenient with rents. So if you don't pay me or if you pay me late once, you will lose that deposit. And some people walk away after I have that conversation. I'm fine with that. But if they got bad credit and they don't walk away after that conversation, then uh, it's typically a good situation. I love that. I love it. Um, okay, talk about how you find your deals today. Um, I know you're focusing a little bit more on, on large apartment complexes, but when you're looking for a house, what are some of the ways that you find your deals? Yeah, so, you know, what we tell a lot of people, and and I'm sure you've experienced this, is when I first started, there was a lot of advertising. There was pay-per-click. There was, you know, a lot of stuff like that. And in addition to the, tra- the, the groundwork, like searching uh, Craigslist, uh, for motivated sellers, just searching those keywords. Now I pretty much either have people bring me deals because I have a local real estate investment club and people know that I do real estate. So I get a lot of deals just by referrals. When you're in the game for a long time and people know what you do, if you're posting your activity on Facebook, lots of people reach out to you. Yeah, And, uh, and that's kind of the phase that I'm in. I'm not like aggressively looking for deals like I used to be. Uh, you know, I have more at, at this phase, I have more people bringing me deals. That's fantastic. And, you know, just looking at round numbers again, if you're getting financing on these things at 75%, mm-hmm. right? So you have 25% equity in the deal. Mm-hmm. So on a $200,000 house, that's 50 grand. Yeah. 50 grand. And then what are you selling it for typically? If it's worth 200 today, what's the sale price to the tenant buyer in two years? So if it's worth 200 today, then I'm probably getting. Within ten thousand of that range. So if it's worth two hundred day, I'm either getting two hundred or two hundred ten. You know, I, I try to keep it close, and that's part of why I accept these large down payments. And I, I, I mostly only do three years as well. Okay. And and that's part of why you know it's part of my pitch, as I was saying earlier. Because look, this could escalate in value. Yeah. This could even be worth two ten right now. You know, but you're going to get it for two hundred, and I'm I'm doing this for you, wow. and you just need to pay me on time. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're getting, I like to call it the three profit centers, cash now, cash flow, and cash later, right? Yeah. The cash now is this $10,000, $20,000 that you're getting up front. 
10, 20, $30,000, you're getting up front. Cash flow of a few hundred bucks a month, not bad at all. And then cash at the end, and that's the difference between what you owe and what you're selling it for. Mm-hmm. Now, most of your lease option deals, again, you're going out and getting financing from the banks mm-hmm. on these deals, right? Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that some more? Like, how, are, how did you build or find the relationships with these local banks to help with this financing? Um, I, I just got out and talked to him. I, you know, I was familiar with that process from, uh, when I opened up the indoor sports arena Yeah, is that I just went out and got told no by a bunch of banks. And in the process, I developed relationships with them. It is, you know, if I could tell anybody doing this for the first time, you need to talk to community banks. They're the ones that are going to lend you the most. So the community banks, the, you know, not the big capital ones or, you know, uh, you know, American bank and trust or whatever chase, those are bigger banks that typically don't do this. The ones that are investing in the community are the ones that are willing to give you the terms. And it's the commercial lenders, not the the residential loan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's important. It's important to have the relationship with your local banks too, because then you can also put your tenant buyer in touch with that local bank, right? And hopefully they can get some financing through them as well. And that's absolutely what we did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, you know, while you've been talking, I don't have it, but, it's a book called Buy Low, Rent Smart, Sell High. Have you heard of that book? No, I haven't, but it sounds like a good theory. <laughs> Brilliant. I wish I would have written it, but it's called Buy Low, Rent Smart, Sell High. And it was written about 10, 12, 13 years ago. I want to encourage everybody to go to Amazon and get that book because it's the exact same strategy that Ryan's been talking about here. These guys, they're not teaching how to go find a seller and convince them to do a lease option. Some of you guys already out there, you have good relationships with the banks, right? And you can get these properties low enough that you can cash out refinance and not really use any of your own money to buy the house. Because you're dealing with a local bank more on the commercial side of things, you don't have the typical normal restrictions on how many houses that you can own, right? And uh, so a lot of you guys, you have these resources available. You could even go out and find private lenders or other investors to partner with, and you can get loans on these properties. You find good enough homes, you can actually buy them, put a little bit of money in to fix them up, do a lease option on them. And uh, this whole concept from these books, I'm thinking about doing a whole podcast series on this someday and just teaching it from the perspective of my course teaches like how to find a seller willing to do a sandwich lease option, right? And then make this lease option offer and then sublease it out you know, to a tenant buyer. But this is a great, great strategy because a lot of you guys, you have good deals out there. And um, the seller maybe doesn't want to do a lease option, but you could get the money, get the cash to buy the house. But the best way to do this, if you want the least amount of headaches, is to, especially in this price range, this is the best way to do it, in my opinion. That's good. Brian, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, Any final good little words of advice to people that are getting started in the business, want to, are really interested in what you're doing? And uh, maybe have some interest in doing some similar strategies. Yeah, you know, so, you know, the, the best way to start, I find, is I remember looking through Sports Illustrated as a kid and Barry Sanders gave a uh, tutorial on how to run fast. And he's like, well, if you want to learn how to run fast, run uphill. So, um, so I kind of I took that idea and I put that into a book. And um, the name of the book is The Seven Day Real Estate Survival Blueprint. Um, and it talks about wholesaling and it talks about sandwich lease options on there. 
And just going through that process, say I had no money, I was dropped, you know, in the middle of nowhere and, you know, that, that whole concept. Um, what would I do to make sure that I could have $10,000 at the end of the month? So I broke it down into like a seven day battle plan. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. What's and, the link again? Or you haven't given it. What is the link? So you can get it on Amazon for like $20 or something like that. But uh, through cashflowdadlife.com slash the number seven, you can get it for like $7 ebook. I see it right here. You, <laughs> That's a cool shirt picture. Yeah. Um, seven day real estate survival blueprint. It's on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, you can get it for on Kindle for $9.97. And uh, the seven-day real estate survival blueprint, how to create 10 grand out of nothing in less than a month. Yeah. I love it. When did you write that? Uh, I wrote it last year around this time. Yeah. Hurricane rolled through and uh, my kids were watching this show called Alone. Have you ever seen that show? No. The movie? No, that's no, Home Alone. No, it's, like it's like a survival show. They like drop people off in uh, Vancouver and make them survive. And so that's, it just inspired me. I was just like, you know what? Let me take that, you know, survival concept and, and bring it into real estate. And so it is, it's, it's a seven day battle plan by the hour. Like this is what I would do at 5 a.m. This is what I would do at 5.30 a.m., you know, and it kind of goes through all of that stuff. Um, so it was fun to write it was, and getting, getting some really good reviews too. Just bought it. <laughs> and uh, what, what was the, the website? Uh, so it's, it's cashflowdadlife.com uh, slash the number seven cashflowdadlife.com slash seven. Yeah. And uh, I see it right here. It's a nice. Uh, so, so this is where they could get it uh, for free. Just pay shipping and handling. No, it's, no, it's not free. It's, it's, it's just an ebook. It's, e it's a $7 ebook. Instead of buying the $20 book on Amazon, you know, just get the ebook. Oh, I could have saved some money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you Maybe, you know. <laughs> Maybe I'll go buy it in both places. <laughs> but this is cool. So there's seven secret, six secrets you share in this book here. Number one, how to find the best zip codes in your area to invest for free. Mm -hmm. Number two, how to find an unlimited amount of money to buy real estate without using banks. Number three, how to uncover cash cow real estate deals that nobody else knows about that are 10 to 1,000 to 150,000 undervalue without paying a dime for marketing. Four, how to get more offers accepted than anybody else. Number five, how to get not one, but multiple paydays in every real estate transaction. And number six, daily habits to easily overcome mental barriers of success. This looks really cool. And how many, you, you, you're the dad cash flow, the dad of cash flow. Could you say yeah, cash, cash flow, bad life? Yeah. 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 How many kids do you have? I've got, I've got five kids. Yeah. Five, oh, sweet. All, serious. Yeah. All how cool boys. is that? Yeah, my wife, uh, she really wants a girl, so I'm not a quitter, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of kids. I love yeah. kids. We've got four. We've talked about that before. Yeah. But, um, well, good for you. Thanks for being on the podcast, Ryan. And I think you have a podcast too, right? Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I'm going to guess it's called Cashflow Dad Life. That's it. That's exactly it. Cashflow Dad Life. And we talked about maybe doing – you interviewing me on your podcast. So I want to encourage everybody to go to Cashflow Dad Life on the podcast and it's on iTunes and all of that, right? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get Joe's story on the podcast. My goal is to you know, be as, as much like Oprah as possible and try to get people to cry. So, uh, no. you know. <laughs> Hey, thanks a lot for being on the show, Ryan. I sure appreciate it. 
And um, pleasure. cool guys, don't forget to leave a review for the podcast. If you like this show, if you like the real estate investing mastery podcast, please leave a review in iTunes, go to, I don't know if you can leave reviews in Stitcher or not, but I, Stitcher you can, Spotify you can't, I don't know, who knows, but leave a review. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe. I broke 500 reviews in iTunes, right? That's just awesome. I went to look at it today and I had 498. It took away four reviews. Oh, I'm like, what is going on? So I'm so discouraged. Go to iTunes and leave a review. Please get it back above the 500. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe your reviews expire after some time. I don't know. But um, you this broke the glass ceiling and then it, and then it just re, re, <laughs> resurfaced itself. I, uh, by the way, I just found a new podcast editor. This is a cool announcement, everybody. Um, I got this new company that's hosting my podcast. You won't see any changes except... I have like 800 episodes and iTunes only shows the last 150 or something. So you can only see my last episodes from the last year, year and a half. I found this company that's going to package all of my old episodes and put them into Real Estate Investing Mastery Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3. So real soon, you'll be able to go listen to previous episodes of this podcast in iTunes and Stitcher and all that and Spotify. So that'll be cool. And um some other cool things are happening. I forget what, but appreciate you guys subscribing to this podcast, leaving a review. Give me a review. Get me back above that 500. I really appreciate it. In fact, I might even start a little, let's do this guys. Remember I talked about my book. This is a, this is a bribe. Okay. This is my ethical bribe. If you leave a review and send me an email, support at joemccall.com, I will give you my book for free. So go. go to uh, iTunes, leave a review. And then just like uh, send an email to support at joemccall.com with this, with the screen capture or whatever uh, of the review. And I'll send you my book for free and I'll give you another little bonus as well with that. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody. Thanks Ryan. We'll no, see you, you later. Count on me for 497 on the review. Say it again. I'm sorry. I said, you can count on me to bring you up to 497. On yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Everybody appreciate it. Thank you for uh, listening to the real estate investing mastery podcast. We'll see y'all later. Take care. Bye-bye. 